1: and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision
0: when you think of supporting mission work overseas in developing nations do you first think of reaching out to the adults or do you think about reaching the children well there's a long standing initiative operating in australia for the past 26 years that connects Australians and, more recently, the farming community with reaching out to children in up to 120 nations. Logos Door focuses efforts on reaching children who make up 30% of the world's population. In the 1990s, Logos Door created the two major global children's evangelistic programs used by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and they've continued to create the global kids' material for Samaritan's Purse, reaching 11 million children, so they know what they're doing with children's ministry. James Gow leads Logos Door in Australia. James is joining us. James, welcome along to 2020. Neil, thanks so much for having me along. James, wonderful, runs on the board with the good work that you do in children's ministry. Take us into what happens. What does children's ministry look like in those developing nations where resources and effective training are rare? Yeah, It's a great question because
1: we're very blessed in our corner of the world to to have access to quality children's ministry resources, but many parts of the world don't have that. Uh, And if they do have them, often they're translated from a foreign language and so they're not contextually relevant. So it's really difficult. So what we've been doing for the last 20 plus years is actually walking alongside people in different countries saying, how can we help you develop stuff in your own context, in your own language? So it's hard in different places of the world, but when we can go and help and empower people to write their own curriculum, we see the lights turn on and we start to see children's ministry really flourishing. It's really exciting to be a part of it.
0: Some of the countries you're working in, you've got to work under the radar, a little bit low-key. Yep. That's, uh, that's sometimes, Is that challenging?
1: It is. Um, it is. Uh, mostly we don't actually go with our name of logger store. Most people we work with just know us as individuals who turn up. Um, we don't promote our brand name at all, really. Uh, It's more about walking alongside people. So we were in the Middle East a few years ago doing some work um, with some people there who wanted to understand how to connect with kids in their community. They didn't even know Logger Store existed. They just had two of our staff turn up. Uh, They lived in their home for a week and they walked alongside them as they trained local leaders. So, yeah, it's under the radar. We've got to be careful. We've got to be sensitive. We only go where we're invited and we only stay with locals who understand the lie of the land, if you like.
0: When borders open, no doubt you'll be back travelling again. But there's been a bit of an upset, hasn't there? Because you've liked the idea of taking teams into some of these nations with your children's materials, but that hasn't been able to happen for a little while.
1: That's true. We are actually looking forward to getting back on the ground. Um, It's been nice to be home for a while, but certainly the global relations are key. Um, And the way we operate is to actually go where we're invited and gather a team locally and say, how can we help you in your context? So, yeah, to be able to do that face-to-face, there's a lot more power than doing it on Zoom, as you could well appreciate. Um, we're, we're, we're a bit overdoing stuff online. <laughs>
0: yeah. You do lots of great stuff, all sorts of resources, but you've got a couple of tried-and-true methods of outreach, and when you're there in person, no doubt this is a whole lot easier, but you use puppets and stage shows. Uh, they well, still work particularly well in, in so yeah. many contexts? Yeah.
1: In some parts of the world, yes. Um, Our role has been more to empower other people more recently. So certainly, yeah, historically, puppets and stage shows. But more recently, we've been saying to locals, well, what do you need? And that's going to look different in every context. Um, In some parts of the world, they might only have a basketball, for example. In other parts of the world, they might only have a soccer ball. They might not have anything. So how can we help them understand how to reach kids in those communities? Um, More resource countries will be doing stage shows, but by and large, it's dependent on what resources they actually have to hand.
0: And because of the support base you've developed over this time in Australia, when you provide these resources internationally, you're able to do that for free. Yeah, it was a
1: decision we made quite a number of years ago. Um, Basically, we said the world's not keeping up with population growth when it comes to sharing the gospel. We need to shake the system and start a new model. And so we decided, let's just give everything for free. There's people around the world who would do children's ministry if they could access resources. So let's not put roadblocks in for those people. So not only help them create things in their own language and context, but when we go and visit or when we release resources, let's just do it all freely. Uh, and so that's the basic model we, we decided to run with. We also release everything from copyright. And the power of that is, is that someone can take our resource and then shape it for their context. So they might get something and go, no, it doesn't quite work in our context, but if we just change it a little bit, they can use it. Uh, and that, we've seen that in, as an incredibly powerful model and help the resources spread far and wide. Now, the other benefit of that, of course, is that we don't need a huge company to manage what's going on. We only have 10 staff and half of them are part-time, but we're working in all these countries around the world. And it's because we just release stuff, we empower other people, we give it to them for free, and we say, you use it and shape it. And if you need us to help you out, we'll come along for the ride.
0: James, tell us about this really unique idea that somebody came up with just a little while ago. Farmers donating grain to support children's ministry around the world. How did that all start?
1: Well, it actually came from one of your own listeners who rang me up one day and said, I'm sitting on a tractor. I listen to Vision Radio. Why could I not donate grain to Logger Store? And if you came up with a grain grower number, an NGR, we could give our grain to Logger Store, and you can just sell it whenever you're ready. And so it was from a Vision listener who, uh, yeah, came up with the idea and prompted us to get in board. So he he actually donated grain to us last year to start us on this journey. It's just another way that we can create support um, when we're giving away everything for free. 100% of our you know budget comes from donations, so we we rely on that heavily. And we just thought here's another way that we can reach into a part of the community who may not be so connected with global ministry, but here's a way they can serve the kingdom.
0: You know, when we understand something from the Bible about first fruits, and I think farmers understand this better than anyone. And <laughs> Probably and so, more than anyone, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So first fruits from their crop and the way they deliver those to markets uh, they register that under a NGR number. How does that all work?
1: Yeah, so the way I understand it is they, they harvest their grain, they deliver it to the local silo and when they deliver it they have to register it under an NGR which is traditionally their own number, their own name and so it gets registered as their grain. So In this case what they can do is say, well let's take a percentage of the crop and it might be the first truckload if it's their first fruits and when they deliver it instead of using their own NGR they use the logger store NGR So it never actually appears in their own production books or anything like that. It just appears as Logistore for our purposes and they've given it. The beauty of it is, and actually this Vision listener told me, he said it's a lot easier to give the first fruits at the start of the season and not allow it to appear in my books because it's going to be harder to give later on when it's sitting in my bank account. So it makes it easier.
0: It makes it easier. Hey, James, is it harvest time right now? Is this a time when... Farmers might be harvesting and uh, there could be a first fruits coming to you? Well, that, yes, it is harvest
1: time right at the moment. Um, it saddens me to say, looking at the radar, that there's plenty of rain around at the moment. So I suspect there's headers sitting at the end of the field waiting to get in. And that's that's a point for prayer, to let these guys get their crop off. Um, there's some magnificent crops out there. And given the history of drought that we've had over recent years, it would be great if they could bring the crop in. And I'm not just saying it for logger store purposes, I'm saying for their own purposes. Um, So yes, it is harvest time now. Let's pray they can get the clear run at it and the weather clears up for them.
0: Now, financing the mission, you said you've got a fairly lean team. There's about 10 people on the team. No doubt there'd be all sorts of opportunities for people to be participating in what you do, whether it's praying for Logos Store or whether you're a farmer and uh, you've got the first fruits of your crop or uh, for people just ordinarily not farmers want to give a gift, uh, there's certainly some opportunity there for uh, for being involved.
1: Oh. We would love it, and it's, uh, I'm really appreciative you mentioned prayer. We rely so heavily on prayer. We we have a team prayer meeting every morning. Uh, we have a prayer gathering once a month, which the pandemic's forced us to put that online, which has actually been a blessing because we've now got people from around Australia who join into that. I mean, it's still only small, but we would love to grow it. So if people want to join us once a month on that prayer Zoom call, that would be fantastic. That really undergirds everything we're about. Um, and then, yes, absolutely, financial support. Well, it's always a need for a mission organisation. We're just one organisation doing work in the kingdom, but we would be very grateful for anyone who you know, has a heart for children's ministry and seeing the gospel go to the next generation.
0: And you need to sustain what you're doing and you need to expand what you're doing because, hey, the world is a big place and lots of the world doesn't speak English. You mentioned a little earlier that you've got to translate a lot of resources into local languages. Is that a one of the big challenges for you?
1: Yeah, translation's offer obviously a massive issue. Um, we set out in about 2007 we de- when we decided to give everything away and sort of change our model, we established a website called Max 7 it's M-A-X and then numeral7.org, and it's basically a library that is full of children's ministry resources, all for free, all released from copyright, as I mentioned before. Um, and they're not just our resources, people from all over the world have donated to this site. The idea behind that site was to get resources into the hands of people who need them and actually let's try and focus on languages other than English. So I think from memory, there's about 44 languages represented on that site now. And when we produce some sort of training curriculum or some sort of resource, we not only have it translated, but actually as we're producing it, we're getting feedback from around the world just so it's got a global context to it. So it's not just written in like Western suburbia. Um, So, yeah, language is a really powerful tool. If we can get things translated, that's incredibly helpful. Most parts of the world who don't speak English don't have quality resources for children's ministry.
0: We'll need to follow through and get some more detail about that on another day, but let me give the website for listeners to be connected with Logos Door. And if you're in farming... And you have a crop and you've got some first fruits that you can connect here with Door, No doubt James would love to hear from you. Here's the website, Logosdor, L-O-G-O-S-D-O-R dot com. That's L-O-G-O-S-D-O-R dot com. Is there any special meaning to that name, James? Well, there is, actually. It's um, the
1: company that preceded Logosdor.com. Um, was doing some television work and writing some scripts, and Logostor was the, the fictitious name of a town in that script. It actually comes from the, the two words logos, as in the word, and then dor, D O R, means of gold or of the generation, depending on which language you're in. So, Logostor was word of gold for the generation, or word of gold for the word of gold, or word for the generations. Um, and it's actually the only one on Google, so it should be easy to find.
0: Logosdor, L-O-G-O-S-D-O-R.com. James Gow leads the team at Logosdor in Australia. James, thanks so much for letting us in on some insights today on 2020.
1: Really appreciate it, Neil. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.